0: Are you ready? Are you ready? Is the question, and you say, "Dan, what should I be ready for?" You, sh- if you don't know what you should be ready for, where have you been for the last week? What should we be ready for? Oh, okay. what should we be ready for? School starting. That's right. School. We don't want to think about that. The solar eclipse is coming to Illinois. That's one good thing about Illinois. Um, That we're in the pathway. And, uh, yeah, I just, I am really excited about this. I usually don't get excited about these type of things, but it just came at the right moment. And uh, here's a little bit of a science lesson here. You've got the sun and, of course, the moons. uh, Rotation falls right in front of the sun, and then uh, things get dark. It's going to be a weird, weird day tomorrow. Now, this is the pathway of the eclipse that people will experience. comes in in Oregon goes all the way down to uh, South Carolina. Uh, the time will start impacting. Uh, the darkness will be about 1045, and then it will be out of here about 245. But the key time you need to remember is 1-18. because that is when it's going to be at its glory. Now, I have to warn you as a public servant that you need to have the right glasses. Do not look at the sun. Be, oh, well, it's an eclipse. I can look at the sun. You know, you damage your eyes forever. <laughs> you got the right glasses. And, hey, we've got some. We've got like four optometrists here. At Springbrook. That's quite a few, right? They can take care of us. Uh, Preston and Lisa K., are they here? Uh, oh, there they are! Yeah! Yeah, they have, uh, uh, uh KI care out here in Huntley. And, uh, thank you, uh, for being a part of our ministry. And then we got Bill and Vicki Atkinson over here, and they're both optometrists. You see, they, I guess they meet at optometry school. You know? I don't know. But uh, yeah, so they're optometrists and they're throwing a special party. This, well, tomorrow, Monday, the solar eclipse party. Because you just don't want to miss this thing. The first total solar eclipse in 38 years. And friends, these glasses are hot. I mean, you know... It's hard to get these glasses. I I saw that a guy bought a pair of these glasses on eBay for like $900. Isn't that (laughs) $900? But Bill uh, gave me a pair uh, to show off. This is what you look like. I, I was in my yard yesterday, and I said, man, that's the sun! I'm looking directly into the sun. This is so cool. And it's going to be cooler when it's an eclipse. Look at that. About 90% eclipse up this way. Around 118. And, uh, I appreciate you guys. And I tell you what, they're having a big eclipse party. I think from 11 to 6. But you better get there early if you want glasses. Uh, because If you want these types of glasses. Also, if you'd like any other glasses, that also... Uh, would be fine, this is where Atkinson I care is located all deep Bread, and Algonquin, uh, Randall it is Buffalo Wild Wings, and that back in that uh, office uh, park so we 're looking forward to it and I was thinking to myself, I was thinking, why are we so interested in the sun? I mean the sun has shined every day that i 've lived i haven 't seen it sometimes, but What's so unique about it? Well, it's because it's different. The sun is going to be different tomorrow. It's going to be unusual tomorrow. And friends, when God works through us, He works through unusual times in our lives. And you you know when He does the best work? is when we're weak. What? Yeah. Yeah. When we're weak, when we're struggling, that's the time when God can really shine because otherwise, oh, I can do this. You know live my Christian life and you're not really talking to God much or reading His Word. But when you have suffering in your life, some type of pain, problem, hopefully you'll be seeking God out more and be closer to Him and He'll work through that suffering. So, this is our series we're on. And these are all available on podcasts. Last week's didn't get up, but it will be up this afternoon. And that is a great evangelistic podcast. Uh, you can listen to it, you know, and see if it might be right for a person. Uh, and then today God is God's everyday grace. So you can always get the podcast. Hopefully they're available on Sunday afternoon. Now, I have to give you some context here. For you to understand the passage we're going to study today, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You can turn in your Bibles uh, to that passage and we're going to dive in. But Paul was called as a missionary to the Gentiles. That was his mission. So this is his second missionary journey. There was a first missionary journey, of course. And so he went around just planning churches. Let's get a little bit closer here. And we saw that he he planted a church in Philippi. Does that sound familiar? Philippians, yeah. I mean, the letter that he wrote to the Philippians was inspired by God, inspired by God and it's as helpful for us today as it was for them. Thessalonica, first and second Thessalonians. Got Corinth down here. We're we'll talking about that. First and second Corinthians and Ephesus. Uh, Ephesians, but I tell you, the church at Corinth was really messed up. Uh, it, it was, i mean, you know, people were fighting divisions. They were having drunken orgies around the communion table, if you can even start to imagine that. And, and there were false teachers. And I believe this was Paul's greatest burden. Because every time he planted a church, these false teachers would follow. And they'd infiltrate that new church. And they would say, you know, all okay, but we're going to show you the real gospel. It's Jesus plus. Jesus plus works. Jesus plus mysterious knowledge. And these people came into Corinth and it was more of an up-and-coming city and uh, so they, very sophisticated uh, these false teachers were and they did supernatural arts. So it got to the point where Paul knew if he did not intercede that they would lose the gospel, the true gospel at this church. So he does something that he had never done before. What he has to do is is he has to reestablish his apostleship. He has to prove to them that he is a possible, his truth. Don't listen to those guys. And again, it was a pretty serious situation. So what does he do? Well, in chapter 11, he starts boasting, and he hates the boasts, as we'll see. They're boasting about what his life was like, you know, as an apostle. Three shipwrecks and... <laughs> beaten a couple times, flogged, stoned, imprisoned, without food, without anything, sometimes. I mean, he really suffered. And again, he doesn't like to share that kind of stuff because he wants to be humble. I mean that's not about him, that's about God. So then he go into chapter twelve and he says, I must go on boasting, though there's nothing to be gained. By it, I will go on to the visions and revelations of the Lord. So he says, "I really hate doing this, but I've got to do this to prove to you that I am a true a true apostle from God." So what he says is, "I know a man in Christ who, 14 years ago, was caught up to the third heaven, whether in body or night, uh, whether in body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows." So, again, he's talking in the third person just to get it off of him. But he has to tell the story. So, 14 years ago, that was probably during his first missionary journey, he was caught up to the third heaven. Back in that day, uh, the sky, the clouds, that's the first heaven. And then outer space is the second heaven. And the third heaven is heaven, which, of course, we cannot see. So he was caught up to it, and I don't know if I was there just by the Spirit or my body was there. He mentions that twice. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body. I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. Paul went to heaven. He saw it. Anybody been to heaven? <laughs> All right. Yeah. He saw it. He was up there. <laughs> and again, it was like totally confidential. He couldn't say anything about heaven, but that it's just the most incredible place I've ever been. He couldn't utter certain things that he had heard up there. And it was paradise. Paradise, kind of like the, the Garden of Eden, the same type of word there for a park. Uh, and, and friends, as Christ followers, we need to think about heaven every day. Because there's so much suffering in this life. There's so many disappointments. And sometimes you feel like your life is, is crashing. Well, the good news is that someday you're going to die. That's good news, isn't it? Because the point that you die, you'll be immediately in heaven. You know why Paul said uh, to live is Christ and to die is gain? Why did he say that? Because he'd been to heaven. You know, I don't know if I was in heaven whether I'd come down to this dirt ball again. Just keep me up here, Lord. <laughs> I don't need to go back. But God wanted to come back to be a witness to the Gentiles. Unbelievable experience. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weaknesses. I believe that the number one sin that people commit most is a sin of pride and sometimes you don't even see it you don't recognize it but the sin of pride is an attitude of independence from god like okay i got this covered especially guys we struggle with this you know we're told to you know do whatever we can and keep working hard and all that kind of thing and we don't want to admit any type of weaknesses we hide our weaknesses right because you know we need to be strong we we don't need other people when we really do but Again, that's what our culture tells us. And, uh, and he says, I- I'm boasting. Again, <laughs> have you ever been at a uh, um, dinner party and there's one person who's your friend, but they are always boasting about what they've done, where they've gone, <laughs> what they've accomplished. And uh, you had an experience he said, okay, I'm going to share this one with him. Hey, guys, you know, uh, last year I went to heaven. You know, I, I was there. And he whips, up, whips out his Android phone. The perfect phone. iPhones are not accepted in heaven. Okay? So he, he picks it out. And he shows heaven. And the camera actually starts glowing. A picture of Jesus. Oh, and there's another picture of Moses. And you say, I I thought Moses was a lot taller, but he's a short guy. And And then there's David. And you say, boy, that guy's built. He's he's still working out at the the heavenly gym. And then he talked to Noah. And he said, Noah, you would not believe it. But they have... Put together your ark in Kentucky. To the exact specifications, they built this thing. And I think you'd be so excited to see it. Is there any way you can go and visit it? And Moses says, I never ever want to be on a boat again. (laughs) That'd be something to boast about, right? Heaven. But you see, If you went to heaven like Paul went to heaven, you'd be conceited, right? I mean, I'm special. I've seen unbelievable things that I can't even tell you. I can't explain. Yeah, Paul didn't want to boast about that. He says that he wants to boast about his weaknesses. Is that what you do when you go to a party and you go around to people and you say, you know... I'm about to lose my job. And uh, I'm very concerned. But you know what? God is carrying me through this process. He's maturing me. And I, I know that He's going to come through. So you're not the hero. God's the hero. Right? Or you say, Boy, oh, I tell you, I don't know what's going to happen in my marriage I don't know what to do anymore. But you know what? God is drawing me to Himself through this terrible time, through this weakness in my life. And I'm trusting in Him. Now, have you done that at a party? Not typically. I'm sure many have had in certain circumstances. Um, yeah, we, we don't like to boast about our weaknesses. But Paul says, I want to boast about my weakness. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. So, you know, a lot of people, when they boast, they're fools, right? They over-exaggerate the stories and the size of the fist, whatever, right? But he would be telling the truth but I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. He didn't want to show any type of pride. And pride is the number one reason people don't accept Jesus Christ. Because they don't need any help. They're just going to work their way to heaven. And I believe it's one of the biggest barriers other than Christ, for people to come to the Lord. No, no. I'm going to take care of it myself. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. He mentions it twice. Why does he have a thorn in the flesh? So he did. He doesn't become conceited because then he would be unusable by God. God allows this thorn in the flesh to come to him to again keep him humble and to draw him to himself. That's why. That's why. He gave a thorn in the flesh. There's a lot of different thoughts about it. What was the thorn? Well, nobody really knows. You really can't say for sure. Probably the best two best two arguments would be that he had an eye problem or eye weakness. Sometimes he had somebody write down his dictation for his letters, and sometimes, or another possibility, it would be a speech impediment. And Paul, when you read about Paul and what he says about himself and what others say about him in the Bible, he just really wasn't that super leader we think of. You know? Probably short like me. <laughs> we like our leaders tall. Right? And psychological studies have proven that. And, uh, you know, somebody who has tremendous amounts of charisma. Paul did not have tremendous amounts of charisma. That's what the Bible says. He was just like an ordinary guy. Filled With God. So what happens is. Is this this thorn in the flesh comes in. So whether it's eyesight. Or. um, The whole idea. Might have had malaria. Uh, It could have been a relationship. One commentator says. That the Corinthians were the thorn in the flesh. (laughs) I can understand that. But I really think it was something chronic. Throughout his life. And Yeah. The idea of a thorn in the flesh, it's the same type of language that's used when they pounded the stakes in the Jesus Christ's wrists and feet. Well, that doesn't sound very pleasant. In fact, that sounds really painful, doesn't it? And that's what a thorn in the flesh brings. It brings pain and suffering in to your life. So again, a message for some Satan to ask me. There's different ideas about that between commentators. I kind of like the idea that God gave him the thorn and then Satan played on it all the time. Oh, Paul, you can't speak. Oh, Paul, you can't see. Oh, Paul, whatever. Yeah. To keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this. That it should leave me. I want to take a moment to tell you about my thorn and the flesh. When I was younger, especially like in high school, I was always worrying. It didn't matter. I was worried about whatever. And I thought it was a sin. Of course, anxiety is a sin. But uh, I just really was confused. and, And my dad took me to a psychiatrist. And this psychiatrist said, you have an anxiety disorder. There's a glitch in your brain that doesn't quite work. In this. It's like the certainty switch. You know, you can put that. Most people can just put that certainty switch down and say, yes, that's the fact. But what happens with me many times is I'm not sure because of the glitch in my brain. And so I... You know, I'd become anxious. And, uh, yeah, he gave me medication to treat it. And there's nothing wrong with medication, guys. You know, if you have high blood pressure, you take medication, right? If you've got a glitch in your brain, you take medication, if it need be. So, I tell you, it's been a long journey. In fact, the psychiatrist I went to, I said, well, when will I feel better? Oh, probably in your 50s. (laughs) Can you imagine somebody saying that to a 22-year-old? Oh, well, that's very good news. (laughs) But I tell you what, because it's caused a lot of suffering in my life and a lack of peace sometimes, uh, I have gone to all kinds of conferences, I've been to many different therapists and tried different drugs uh, because it's painful. Yeah. It's been really hard. And that's why this passage is so meaningful to me. uh, Is that God gave me this thorn in the flesh. And I don't want it. What God has told me is, Dan, you need to accept it because it's part of how I molded you. It's a part of how I made you. I made you weak in order that my strength would flow through you. God has done wondrous things over the years. He's provided such wonderful insights and... uh, Especially the last five years. They've been good. I mean, I just like, I rejoice. But I still have it. And I say, okay, God, you can take it away. No, no, sorry. You'll have this for the rest of your life. I know many of you have emotional disorders, depression, probably is the most common one. Bipolar, you know, a lot of different things. And it's hard, isn't it? I know some people who are depressed they can't step out of the house. Um, So, God allows that in my life. And you know why He allowed it in my life? Because it really has kept me humble. (laughs) You know, I still struggle with pride, but yeah, it's kept me humble. But most importantly, it's drawn me to Him. And that's what God wants. He wants you to be dependent on Him every moment of the day. And so whenever I'm struggling with anxiety, where do I go? I say, God, please, please. And I've learned a lot of techniques over the years and things like that. Uh, But God, please help me. God, please comfort me. God, please give me grace. There are so many people probably in this audience who have things that are much worse. Um, chronic pain, arthritis. I certainly wouldn't want that. Uh, or it could be a relationship. Your wife is your thorn in the flesh. I mean, you're your Christ follower, and you really know, I don't know if it was the right decision to marry this woman, but I'm going to stay with her. You know, and I'm going to seek to bring her to Christ, or help her to grow in a relationship with Christ, or maybe it's a son or a daughter that's rebellious, and you are so filled with anger. I mean, here you raise this child, and uh, they're creating a hell in your lives. They're doing everything they can to hurt you. Now that's a thorn. In the flesh what do we do when we have a thorn we go to God say God please help me please help me to cope with this trial maybe you're fearing losing your job that's a thorn right maybe you've been in several different jobs I don't know what, what the deal is but again that's a thorn that's a thorn But this is my life verse. But he said to Dan, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ remains on me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That is the core message I want you to take away. When you are weak, God can use you in ways you could never imagine. Because otherwise, you're just trying to kind of be you know, a good Christian and that type of thing. But when you are needy, when you are hurting, you call on God. And He starts to work with you in unbelievable ways. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. That means so much to me. What's grace? It's really hard to define grace. I guess the best way to say is, grace is a gift from God that you don't deserve. Salvation is grace. Eternity is grace. A relationship with God is grace. God providing for your needs is grace. You don't deserve it. But now that you're a child of God, He's going to, to care for you. He's going to help you. And so when I'm struggling, and you know, I go to God and say, Lord, your grace is sufficient. And uh, yeah, I just have to trust in Him. I just have to trust in Him. He says, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses that the power of Christ. They rest on me. Now, this does not make any sense whatsoever, does it? We're all taught to build our strengths and hide our weaknesses. And this is saying, hey, talk about your weaknesses. Talk about the issues in your life and how God is helping you to deal with them. So he says, well, I'm not going to boast. And he wasn't anyway, but the thought is, I'm not going to boast about all the good things about me, I'm going to boast about my weaknesses and I'm going to tell people how God has helped me. Now, why am I sharing this with you? Friends, we all have pain. We all have struggle. But Jesus can carry you through no matter what you're facing. And if you die, even better. You go to heaven. Right? Yeah. So I've told my story to different individuals. And and if you would like to talk to me about any type of issues like that, just give me a call, send me an email, and we can get together. Because that's part of my ministry. My ministry is ministering to people who struggle with anxiety and issues of that sort because I know what it's like. Right? I was talking to a woman out here and she had lost her husband about four years ago and she was talking about That her ministry was ministering to widows. Right? We minister out of our pain. He says, for the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I'm sorry, Paul. I can't buy this. (laughs) You're content? It's good news. When you have weaknesses, insults, and people make snide remarks about you, and and you have hardships where where you get trapped in this problem, and there doesn't seem any way out. Persecutions and calamities. Calamities is just the word for difficulties. Friends, as long as you're alive, you're going to have a difficult time. I know you don't like to be reminded about that, but God says, hey, you're going to have trouble in this world. But it's all how we approach the pain that can help us to stay encouraged and see the purpose behind it. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power that belongs to God and not to us. What's the treasure we have within us? The gospel, right? Say it with me, gospel. Within us we have we have the answers to everything in life. Because we have God's word and God's holy spirit and God has made us a temple and he's put us in it. But what are we? We're just jars of clay. So back in that day, what they did is everything, pretty much everything in the kitchen, the home, was made of clay, right? You see the master here. God is a potter and I am the clay. You know, and sometimes we don't like the way he made us. God. Why did you give me this thorn in the flesh? Why did you give me this problem? Don't you know I could be just so much more effective in reaching people for Jesus Christ? Why didn't you give me a stronger personality so I could go witness? and, And we go on and on. Why, God? Because God has your good mind. And He has a master plan to glorify Himself in this world. And we are all trophies of grace. And we need to let people know that, right? We're trophies of grace. You know the thing about us? We're cracked. We're crackpots, right? We're crackpots! And if you don't think you're cracked, if you think it, you have it all together, I tell you what, just get ready. Because God breaks everybody. Why? To deal with the pride. He brings in situations, problems, people. Until you get to the point where you're just desperate for God. You go through some terrible circumstance and God breaks you. And when God breaks you, you know that He can use you. When I interview for staff here at Springbrook over the years, I want to make sure that they're broken. If I come to somebody, and I've done this in the past, and they're not broken, sorry. You can't minister here at Springbrook as a staff member because you need to be broken. You need to realize that you are not the answer, but you are a crackpot that has a gospel within it. You're a crackpot. Say that to your neighbor. You're a crackpot. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's true. And you see, if you just accept the fact that you're a crackpot, again, you know, there's all kinds of struggles represented here. And and you're looking around and say, oh, all these Christian people, they all have their act together. They don't have any problems. Come on. Give me a break. Okay, we have an incredible amount of suffering in this room. We approach it differently as we see ourselves as crackpots. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God, and not to us. That's the point. We don't want people to look at us and say, oh, you're such a good this or you're such a good that. You're saying, wow. That's not you. That must be God. (laughs) Right? Yeah. God wants the glory. Well, it's not fair. Well, He's God. He created us to worship Him. So that's the way things work. As I always say, never waste a trial. The purpose of me having my disorder is so I can tell other people about it and how God has brought me If you don't tell people, the story is wasted. When God works in your life, it's not primarily for you. It's primarily to encourage other people. Lamentations 3.22, another favorite verse. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I've turned so many times to that verse because when you have something chronic in your life, you just need new grace every day, right? To deal with it. And when we think about grace, we tend to think about the cross, which is very true. But God wants to give you grace on a daily basis. The steadfast love. Of the Lord, never ceases. It never stops. It's always there. You might not be looking for it, but you can find it. His mercy or his grace never comes to an end. It's in in infinity. They are new every morning. I love that part because sometimes I go to bed and I'm so tired and burdened by what other problem you know and. And uh, when I wake up, many times, it's like the whole world has changed. <laughs> and that's grace from God. And you know, God has helped me throughout my life with so many resources and people to counsel me, and you know and this is what I can tell you. I'm 55 years old, and God has been faithful all those 55 years. God has provided for my wife and I. God has been there for me, even when in pain. And uh, I'm just giving testimony here. You can trust in God. And maybe you haven't trusted in God so, Yeah, you I can't do that. Yet you can. Keep coming here, this is your church. And if you're not your church, you want to make it your church, that's great. <laughs> and we'll keep encouraging you. God is God's grace is sufficient for you and me. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for my anxiety disorder. It's been tough. I want to thank you that you continue to free me up more and more and more as the years roll on. But thank you for it. I mean, it certainly kept me humble. Most importantly, it's brought me closer to you. Because I have to depend upon you. What else can I depend upon? And I found that you're always there, you're always listening, and you're always empowering me. And I pray the same thing for my friends. In Christ's name, amen.